As hilarious as that music may sound, it is not how I want to kick off my podcast. Welcome to the Michael Aldrich Comedy Podcast. It's going to be so much fun where he makes humor of himself and the many things in New York City. Oh, and by the way, this is not the voice of Bruno. Happy, uh, happy 6th of July. Happy 5th, right? I hope that you guys have had a great uh, 4th of July week. Right now it's Friday, July 6th. Um, kind of a unique week for the 4th of July, right? Right. When, when the 4th is on a Wednesday, do you take off Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then go into the weekend? Do you work Thursday, maybe take off Friday? I think some people worked Thursday and took off Friday. I, I think it's a really, it's, it's a conundrum. It's a first world problem, literally. Right? It's a United States conundrum uh, for 2018. What did you do? I hope that what you did do was fun to you. Um, I did want to let you guys know that the first episode, so I recently changed it up. I don't know if anyone has tried to download episodes like 1 through 13 or whatever. I had uh, the first kind of 13 or so episodes. Uh, I took them off the air for, for a, ver- a few various reasons. I mean, it was internal discretion based on... Some of it was a little bit more inappropriate, right? Which I know is going to intrigue you guys. Uh, but also I was learning, I was kind of figuring out how to do the podcast early on. And I think the quality of the episodes, the sound quality, uh, I just didn't think was up to par to have those episodes live for a while. However, I think the creative process can be a fun journey and everyone has the right to turn things off at any point in time. So I did decide recently to make episodes 1 through 13 live again. Feel free to to go back and listen to uh, whatever the heck I did, you know, it was a couple years ago when I was starting this podcast. I will say and I will recommend two episodes for everybody to listen to and I know that you know, when I describe what these are, people will be intrigued. The first episode that I recommend is episode three. Um, it's an episode where I went on a first date with a girl a few years ago, and we went back to my apartment. Uh, basically, we grabbed a drink, and I said, hey, you think you want to do a podcast with me? You want to be a, best, a guest on my podcast? So I basically brought on a guest, which was this first date, random, you know, we met for the first time there from through OKCupid actually and we gave her a fake name she goes by Violet uh, and I ended up actually getting head from her on the podcast and that's one of the reasons I took uh, took it off the air uh, you can kind of listen back to it it's like softcore porn if you will it's, it's a very different episode than anything that I've ever put up there uh, but it, it's very I had some friends listen to it at the time and they were telling me that it was actually slightly arousing to them. So kind of a different genre altogether, but interesting and entertaining, I assume, nonetheless. So feel free to check out Violet's episode. On episode four, her and I have a phone call. We talk about how we were strategizing. You know, it was like a week later or something, and we were strategizing at this point uh, as to how to recruit another girl to essentially have a threesome with us. 
uh, and we, we, we basically talked sh- shop, you know, and, and strategy as to how we were going to do that. So episode four is pretty interesting. Uh, I think that there's a couple other interesting episodes in there uh, worth checking out, episode five, six maybe. And then episode nine is another one that I recommend checking out. I've never had this on the air until recently. Uh, basically, these two girls rented my apartment while I slept on the couch through Airbnb. And we caught you know, a conversation, me and these two chicks, and I was hoping that that might be the night that I had my first threesome with two girls. And uh, I'll let you guys listen in to see what happens Nevertheless, though it is, um, it is interesting, and and they were they were very cute. Hey, do you think I'm an asshole for not telling you right now whether or not we had a threesome? Uh, should I apologize for doing what Holly does, which is leaving you guys hanging so that you have no choice but to listen to the episode? I'm such a jerk. You know what? I apologize though for being a for being a jerk and using marketing tactics on you. Uh, I hope you love me regardless, because uh, I love you. Let's go through our standard process. You know, uh, I've kind of made this show into three segments where I, I, uh, you know, hey, how you doing? You guys having a good time? Good, good, good. And then uh, I kind of go into some, some updates from around the world, you know, in the world of comedy. And then I go into updates in the the, the comedic journey of Michael Oldred, and I finish off with a couple relevant stories or haikus or what have you. I don't even know what a haiku is. Actually, I wrote a haiku once. Uh, Maybe sometime I'll have to read it to you. But nevertheless, um, let's go ahead and go into some updates in the world of comedy for the week of July 6th. I should say the week of July 4th, 2018. Guys, for this week's uh, updates uh, of what's going on in the world of comedy... There's actually not much going on in the world of comedy right now that's new that I haven't already talked about. So what I am going to do is I'm going to talk. I found this article from Vulture Magazine uh, or Vulture.com. I assume it's magazine. I don't know. It's an article written by Andrew Husband. Um, Basically, it's titled The Most Enlightening Quotes from Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee, Season 10. Uh, I'm taking a couple of these quotes that I find interesting. I'm not just going to sit here and read every single thing that somebody else did, but um, he listed a lot of quotes. I'm going to say the ones that I find most interesting from each of the comedians um, in season 10 of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. First one is Dave Chappelle, uh, and I'm going to talk about how they relate to me, right? So um, Dave Chappelle, I've always fantasized about being a Greenwich Village comedian, I'd read all these stories about 1966, and I realized that every career I'd ever admired went through New York City. My head was filled with fantasies about being like those guys. So um, that's what Dave Chappelle said. I think that's kind of interesting. I didn't actually fantasize about it myself growing up, but I'm definitely a Greenwich Village comedian now. Um, I, I, Like I mentioned to you guys last time uh, from the show... Um, Crashing, uh, I've spent a lot of time in Greenwich Village, mainly at... There's four main places to perform. Well, five now, uh, essentially, in Greenwich Village. I guess the fifth one's kind of Soho. The Soho Playhouse, I guess you could say that's Soho. So the main places to perform in Greenwich Village, from my perspective, not... You know, there's more bars to perform there or whatever. Uh, They do have shows, but it's 
number one is the comedy cellar, uh, you know, first and foremost. The second place to perform is um, the Greenwich Village Comedy Club. The third place and fourth places are the Lantern Comedy Club and the Grizzly Pear, right? Um, Greenwich Village Comedy Club uh, is where I spent a lot of time my for maybe two years ago for like a year I, w I was doing a lot of time there and then I was doing a lot of time at the Lantern um, each of those places for me uh, I spent a lot of time honing trying new things trying to build my act trying to rebuild uh, and and kind of reinvent a lot of my material and jokes and, and develop new stuff right so I use those places to really kind of further hone and um, the girl who runs the Lantern um, told me that Dave Chappelle said hi to her once uh, when he was, I guess, at the Comedy Cellar. He saw her and he, he said hi, and he said hi by her first name. So somehow he knows her, um, and I, we all thought that was pretty cool that you know that he that he did that. I know that he likes to spend a lot of time at the Comedy Cellar, and that's kind of you know he can get on stage there anytime he wants. He's, um, you know, he's really, um, you know, he's as big as you can get as far as a living, a person who's alive right now still and doing comedy. You know, him, Kevin Hart, you know, um, in the world of stand-up, Louis C.K., those guys are, are top-tier, premium, you know, blue-chip stocks. Uh, in the world of comedy, well, you know, obviously Louis' stock has gone down with his allegations. I do think that'll blow over, though. Um, let's talk about. Uh, he he said a couple other quotes that I thought was cool. Um, says I'm a real socially awkward guy. Um, everybody thinks the guy on stage is the fake, but really it's the guy off the stage that's fake. The guy on stage, that's the real guy. The guy off the stage, he's the one that lies to people, doesn't say what he actually thinks all, and all this other shit, just so that guy can exist uninterrupted. I think that's interesting. I, I can't say it's 100% true for myself. Um, I think that's cool to hear Dave Chappelle open up like that, and I can definitely understand how, you know, having a, whatever it is that you are on stage, you know, being affected in some way, shape, or form by the person you are off stage. there's like a... It's all in a balance or an equation, right? Uh, I think when I first started doing comedy, and I had a lot of success in Missouri, the person on stage was a persona. It was very fake, uh, e exaggerated, um, you know, calculated, personified. Um, and I felt the more that I did comedy, the more it would drain my offstage sense of humor so that I could bottle it for the stage, right? Like, the, the offstage person was a mere shadow of the person that was on the stage in, in the beginnings of my comedy career. Um, you know, I felt like I needed to bottle it for the stage. As I've grown and developed over the years and kind of reinvented to get with the times, my persona has become more and more real and who I am. And I feel that I'm kind of the same person for the most part now, both off stage and on stage. I didn't like feeling like I was losing my ability to be funny off the stage. 
However, you know, just like anything else, we're all human. Nobody, nobody wants to be funny all the time off stage, right? It's, it's, um, it's like a turbo button. You know, you you only have so much turbo to to release, um, and you you don't want to be on empty uh, at all times. So that's kind of cool about uh, Chappelle. I know that when Dave Chappelle was in town uh, doing his big thing at Radio City, uh, you know, he was spending a little bit of time at the in Greenwich Village. Uh, you know, either between shows. You know, I know that he showed up to the Comedy Cellar really late one time. I, I, I like Dave Chappelle in different ways. Um, who knows what actually happened to him or why he truly left the entertainment business. It's possible that he signed contracts um, where he can't reveal certain things. I have a feeling that's why he's kind of secretive about things. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think he wants to get sued for millions of dollars. Who knows, maybe there's more to it than that. But nevertheless... Um, He's cool. I appreciate the art. I know that I've heard of him getting on stage for like six hours at a time from like even, you know, later in his career, maybe over the last few years, you know, show up to the comedy cellar at like two in the morning and, and, and get up until 7 a.m. And the people that want to listen to him talk stuff out stay, right? It's not like an actual show. And, you know, it's an opportunity for him to work stuff out, which I personally, I do that. Sometimes I have people over, whether it's girls or friends and I'll just like talk into the microphone it's like an unsanctioned show sometimes I'll just talk into it for like an hour and interact and it may generate material or you know it creates comfort in front of the mic one of the things that people have uh, told me lately that have watched my set recently is they're like why wow, you look so comfortable you know on stage and it's you know it's because of time that you've marinated it you've baked it you know by being in front of a mic so much that it's just it's second nature to you um, Kate McKinnon, uh, she said, I have the most fun when I'm at something that is horrible because I'm making fun of it and I'm enjoying it. If something's supposed to be fun, I hate it. That's, that's interesting. You know, it's ironic, but it, it makes sense. I can see how some people, um, could relate to that. I, I, I can't say I always relate to that. You know, I, sometimes I, I, if I want to have fun at something, I, I just have fun. Um, nevertheless, though, I hear good things about her. I, Remember um, when I went to Saturday Night Live and I got into the show where John Cena was hosting, which is almost a year and a half ago now. Uh, she, there were people waiting for her outside that I went that went to the same college she did, and they were big fans. And you know, I remember she came out. She just seemed humble and you know, really nice. And you know, it's like it gives people from that school hope. You know, that are connected to her and know her story and. You know, these are, it's cool, you know, when you see people on that level of success, you know, kind of having, um, you know, uh, just uh, a lot of humility, I guess you could say. Um, moving on, Ellen DeGeneres, right? Uh, it says, when I lost my sitcom, I didn't work for three years solid until I got the talk show. I was bitter, sad, and angry. How did this change everything? Because uh, just by being, just by me being honest and saying I'm gay, or how did this change everything? Just by me being honest and saying I'm gay, why is this such a shock to people? Why is it such a big deal? Then I went on tour and I would say 90% of the audience was gay. 
some brave straight people went. All the gay people really thought I was doing some kind of gay pride tour, so I was making fun of the fact that I was their leader. It was like, I am not your leader. Um, it was like, I'm not your leader. I'm nobody's leader. Uh, I think that that's interesting. Obviously, we've come a long way, um, probably since, since Ellen lost her job there. Uh, it's funny to see when, when uh, you know, people latch on to an idea, you know, uh, of somebody. And, and, you know, it's funny that, you know, she kind of became a, a gay pride leader without even trying. Sometimes that's just what happens, right? We, we get known for something and people, you know, identify with that and, and it takes off. Um, so I say roll with it. Um, that's pretty cool, Ellen. I'm glad that the world has come around and is, you know, so much more progressive now and not discriminating. Uh, as much I think we're making progress in society um, I can understand the whole idea of when you lose the thing that you care about you, you don't even want to you know I don't know if this happened to you you said when you lost the sitcom I didn't work for three years solid until I got the show I don't know if that meant that you weren't trying to or you just couldn't get more work maybe that's what you meant I, I know when I lost my career in football when I injured my knee I honestly I'd never wanted to I just stopped watching football altogether I couldn't I couldn't be around it I think there was like a year or something um, it's like being it's almost like you need to do it. it's like when you break a bone so deep you need to put yourself in a cast in a way uh, a metaphorical cast which exposes you to nothing uh, for a while and I remember the first time that I went back it was the next season, and they had a home game. It might have been the opening home game. I, I forget what it was, but Tommy Saunders, my roommate at uh, football, I've had him on that on the podcast before. His dad said, why aren't you going to go to the pregame uh, ceremony where the players walk into the stadium? Those are your guys out there. You can't leave them behind. And I just thought to myself, oh, 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 oh really? Okay, well, you're going to challenge me like that? well, fuck it, I'm going then, right? Because they do mean the world to me, you know, my teammates and whatnot. And I showed up, and, and, and something really, an unexpected kind of change for me happened. I um, When I saw the players walking toward me, they were going to walk past me, I, I just started crying uh, really intensely, right? My, my, my eyes filled with tears, and... You know, I, I was bawling and I was shaking everybody's hand as they walked down onto the field, and uh, it was really interesting. It was a reaction I just I didn't expect to, you know, I did not expect to have that. So, oh. and I needed it. I guess in a way, it was my first. St it was like rehab, right? You got to get all these old emotions out in phases. Sometimes you can't do it all at once. It takes time. You got to let it heal first, and then you got to like slightly break it again and you know kind of like slowly um, build up your strength and that was uh, you know a big point for my own rehab rehabilitation in, in getting past my, my heartbreak of my football career ending so one of the things that Seinfeld said that stood out to me is nobody fails and experiences public failure more than a stand-up comedian I do agree with that right you're, you're going up in front of a, a live audience um, just the other night, actually, I, I bombed. I had the, probably the most difficult crowd that I can ever remember 
um, the other night. It was the night before the 4th of July. I had two shows. The first one went really well. They loved, I did extra impressions for them. I, I gave them, I, I just said, do you guys want to hear this person or this person? You know, I gave them kind of a choice and they just wanted more impressions. So unexpectedly, I kept doing I kept getting applause breaks. And then the very next show, it was the late shows. I think I was, I was on like 12.30 at night, maybe 1 a.m. And it was essentially the 4th of July, but early morning of the 4th. And I think the people that were at this show were drunk. They were already celebrating. Oh, my gosh. Like, the intensity of the obnoxiousness of the crowd. I, ha I haven't experienced anything that bad since I was in the Missouri football locker room trying to do jokes. I remember the guys in the locker room one game before. Like, the walk-ons had a separate part of the locker room to hang out we were separated from the guys that were going to play um so the walk-ons didn't really have much to do and i remember you know they, they were like mike why don't you get up and do comedy for us while we were waiting for the game to start uh and i was like oh really cool thanks guys thanks for the opportunity as soon as i got up they're like get the f down you know you know like it was it was one of those things where i was more so being made fun of like and it was more of a kind of a spectacle to for for the guys to essentially make fun of me i remember one dude casting bridges stands out in my mind he was he ended up you know being a starter from mizzou and he went to the high school i would have gone to if i stayed in california so we actually have similar people that we know through my childhood uh he's casting for those of you who don't know um he had one of the nicest cars on campus. He had this decked out Lexus that was customized with TVs in the back, like 25 inch rims. Just, he had a grill in his mouth. He had a tattoo of California on the back of his calf. I remember one time he asked me out of genuine curiosity, he said, Oldro, why you try so hard? I just go through the motions. You know, this dude's on a full ride scholarship. Didn't understand why I tried so hard. Um, but nevertheless, I don't have any hard feelings to him. I, I, I actually consider us on good terms. Um, you know, he came to support me. I remember when I won Missouri's last comic standing, he was actually there uh, with a couple of the other guys. Uh, and, and, you know, the guys would actually come and support me when I was actually doing comedy at the clubs. And, and I really kind of built up a name um, on the football team. I actually got, like, famous on the football team for doing comedy, both – through the players and like through Coach Pinkle, he's like, hey, "You're the comedian guy, aren't you?" Um, so, yeah, interesting stuff. But I'll never forget those early days before I was getting gigs and I was just practicing my material and trying to develop it. Being in the locker room and guys like Castine just like screaming, like "You suck!" Like not just "You suck," but like like waiting for me to do the punchline so he could just like blurt something out as I'm delivering the punchline and just try to create as many possible distractions. And in that moment, like, I'm, I know Castine is not thinking to himself, I'm going to try to make Mike better right now by making it difficult for him. But he indirectly did. And, you know, that's part of the brotherhood of football is that indirect toughness that you gain from busting each other's balls 24 hours a day. I mean... We beat the shit out of each other mentally, verbally, physically. Um, not necessarily for the sake of building each other up and making each other tougher, but that's like this byproduct and this bond that we build over the course of time. So I really 
got a lot of benefit of working my material out in those locker rooms and getting made fun of and berated and you know just told old droid give it up what the hell are you doing you know like i just it made me a tough motherfucker uh physically mentally everything and uh i haven't experienced a crowd as difficult as that locker room that i can think of off the top of my head as i did the other night there was one chick that was talking with her boyfriend while I was on stage, she wasn't even whispering. She was talking like this. So what are we going to do after this? What you won't do, you know? Uh, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, hey, what's up? You know, you guys having a good convo? She's like, yeah, we are. Thank you. I appreciate you asking. Sarcastic like I'm an asshole, right? I was like, no worries. You guys can take the conversation out there since there's a show going on in here if you'd like. And she's no, we're going to stay in here. We're going to talk too because we paid our money and we're going to stay. Thank you as if the conversation is all over and I'm like oh I appreciate the respect you know I really appreciate you respecting me um as a performer up here she's like no problem no problem uh meanwhile we've got another drunk chick in the front like just yelling stuff out like not even coherent sentences just that other guy was funnier and like not even looking at me like is that guy from Arizona yeah he is like she's asking a question that out of there's no context behind it and she's answering the same question she's she's answering the same question that she just asked it, it was something like that you know i'm i'm like a, i'm commenting on that and then you know there's this dude with this chick there's this group of dudes with this group of chicks and they're like talking about how they're together i though i didn't ask i don't know why he's volunteering information about the fact that they're there together and that they're getting married. Um, and then kind of that pack of people teamed up and they started, have, they started having a conversation amongst themselves with the drunk chick. Um, it, was like, it was like Castine was in the room again and someone gave him, like it was like a game of like garage band where every time you think the punchline is coming, you have to hit a button to like disturb it. Uh, like a whack-a-mole for Mike Oldroyd's comedy routine, which sounds like a great video game to play. Uh, and it was I felt like a teacher in a classroom where um, <laughs> where I completely lost control of the students. And uh, they, I was being sarcastic, and they took me literally. I was, I was trying to kind of like make a joke out of it without attacking them. Like, hey, you know, it's not loud enough in here with distractions. If everybody could please start talking right now, I'd really appreciate that, just so that I can really get the full effect of this challenge. And they took me literally. Uh, that's how drunk they were. Is that it, it didn't get them to shut up. It, it actually did the reverse thing, and everyone started talking more intense. Uh, I mean. The, the the attention was so lost that they didn't know the difference between my setup and punchlines at certain at toward the end of my set I got off stage and I just wanted to punch some of them in the face I actually as I was walking past them I had to stop myself from punching them in the face a few of the people as I walked by um, nevertheless though um, I feel like that's probably interesting interesting enough um, you know for you guys brian regan here it says nobody can take away the laughs if it was just acting it's subjective and somebody can say well they're not that good they don't have this they don't have that but if you get on stage and make people laugh nobody can say they're not laughing i'm trying to make the audience laugh i'm not trying to please some guy at a typewriter 
So that's kind of cool, as he's saying there's an objectivity or an objectivity of, of stand-up comedy, meaning that critics can't really, they don't, critics are just, they, they don't really hold weight when you're when you're getting laughs, right? Like if someone picks your set apart, he, what he's saying, that the measure of, of stand-up comedy is, is the laughter, not some subjective opinion from some cynic or critic right so i think that's cool i like that brian regan's awesome uh, i've always liked him he's a clean comic he reminds me of like one of my family members i i have some really stand-up and i don't mean that in the version of stand-up comedy but i have some really good wholesome family members that really are good people they don't curse you know all these things and they reminded me of Brian Regan. Uh, I remember when he came to, and he sold out the Missouri Theater in, in Columbia, Missouri. Uh, I got to see him there with, with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And I remember saying, I'm going to perform in, in places like this someday, you know, in theaters like this. And um, he's, he's just a good dude. He, he talks about real clean stuff. I personally like to hit the whole, whole spectrum. I think that sometimes... You know, depending on how you look at it, I, I think, for me, I feel like I'm leaving a lot on the table if I don't do any dirty stuff. The, if you can be clean first and then hit them with some unexpected dirty turbo button, man, you really can drop the hammer. Uh, and, and there's just a wider spectrum to explore. But, you know, to each his own. Alec Baldwin, I think he's really funny. I've always... I, I, I wouldn't even consider him a comedian, but he's just as funny, if not more funny, than most comedians out there. I've always, I would say he's an actor who is very funny. I mean, SNL uses him a lot. Let's see, um, let's see what Alec Baldwin says. Uh, isn't it a new world between men and women now? We've got to really, really be vigilant, ever vigilant. I put my arm around my wife the other day, and then literally my arm went like it was an electric charge. I put my arm around my wife's waist and then went, oh, I'm sorry, was that inappropriate? <laughs> okay, I like that. That's funny. Um, I guess what he's saying is it, we're in a really hypersensitive time now where guys are really second-guessing themselves uh, uh, on everything. I think uh, you know that a lot of awareness has needed to be made on, on some issues, but... It's in everything's inflamed right now. You know everything's hypersensitive, and you know I, I don't like this. I I think it's dying down a little bit, but the the hypersensitivity toward race um, relations, toward gender, toward um, you know the LGBT community. I think that the, when the hypersensitivity uh, recedes, then we will have made progress. But until it recedes, you know, with people, we need to get rid of the the, the being too sensitive about these things because it's kind of impeding stuff. And I think uh, Alec Baldwin's joke about saying is that inappropriate? That's funny because it's kind of like it highlights the hypersensitivity and, and the absurdity of how how much everybody is like second guessing themselves right now. Um, again, I do think that. A lot of awareness has been needed for these things, but until until the hypersensitivity recedes, I don't think we're going to actually be a, as far ahead uh, in the world of progress toward those issues as we will be once we can kind of be, be a little bit more um, real with our, our thoughts toward them. Anyway, I think that's good enough for now, guys. Um, let's move on. To 
kind of the latest in the journey of Michael Oldroyd. I did want to share that this Sunday night I am producing a show called LOL Droid Presents. It's Sunday night at 8 o'clock at the Misfit Hive off the 7 train, the 63rd uh, and Woodside Avenue, right, uh, off the 7 train. It's at the Misfit Hive. Come check us out, 8 o'clock. We've got some great comedic uh, humans, a.k.a. humorists, that will be there. I'll be there headlining the show. We'll have a lot of fun. You can see uh, a longer set. If you're interested in seeing a longer set of mine, I'll be doing somewhere between 30 and 60 minutes of material. And it's an opportunity for us to have fun, to, to network with some people in the entertainment business, uh, comedy, sketch, acting, whatever. You know, there's a lot of artistic type people there. It's a, it's a hive for the misfits. You know, usually uh, entertainers or artists, you can, you can say some of them are misfits. I don't know. It's all how you define it, right? But nevertheless, it's going to be fun, even if you don't like that crowd. Uh, if you just want to hear some humor... Or humor, you know, that's that's executed through a microphone and delivered to an audience live. Uh, with the attempt of humor, I should say. Whether or not it lands is TBD, but that's what makes it exciting, right? That's the joy of going to a live show, is you never really know how the magic happens in the moment, right? You, you hear the comedy albums, you see them on Netflix, you know, these things are edited, these things are polished, but if you really want the risk of seeing somebody bomb and do terrible. Come watch me. It'll make it very exciting. Um, so again, Sunday night, 8 o'clock at the Misfit Hive. Come check out LOL Droid Presents. Would love to see you there. Awesome! I'd say before going into the story section, I wanted to take a moment to do some, some advertising really quick. Now, I don't have to advertise. I, I'm the producer of LOL Droid, of this podcast of whatever you want to call it right i'm the ceo and emperor of lol droid entertainment um and i am the executive producer uh so i don't you know the funding i fund these podcasts myself right now which is why you guys don't hear advertisements uh you may hear me advertise in the future i really don't know um in the time for the time being though I don't care to have advertisements um, that, uh, well, let's put it this way. For the time being, I'm choosing who and what I want to give shout outs to. So I'm doing a, a self, not a self promotion. I'm, uh, I've chosen somebody to, to give a shout out to. I want to give a, basically create awareness for my Sifu in the martial art of Wing Chun. His name is uh, David Alonzo. I call him Sifu David. Uh, if anyone is interested in taking martial arts classes, uh, specifically Wing Chun, even though you know Sifu David knows a heck of a lot uh, of other styles of fighting, um, picking his brain on just martial arts and fighting in general and finding style that you know might work best for some or best for the other yeah you know, I, I personally like Wing Chun a lot because uh, it allows you to be, fight ambidextrous so you can fight from from either foot forward it teaches you to be ambidextrous and to, to basically trick 
uh, the person and what they're used to fighting against, right? Creating discomfort just in your stance alone before you ever even engage in combat. So uh, that's one of the things that I think is really cool about Wing Chun. Nevertheless, and I also like the fact that you can fight, you can strike and block at the same time. So you can punch somebody while blocking. Uh, they've, they've created this kind of really unique uh, fighting style, which you guys have seen in the movie Ip Man, you know, Bruce Lee's, uh, you know, he learned from Ip Man. You've seen the movies. Uh, Bruce Lee ended up, you know, developing his own martial arts style called Jit Kune Do, but nevertheless, he did uh, build a foundation in Wing Chun. So I recommend checking it out. If you guys want to um, reach out to Sifu David, um, please do so. He can talk about classes. They have uh, regular classes on Saturdays from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. in Midtown of New York City. Um, and his phone number is 828-713-7981. Again, 828-713-7981. And it's near Bryant Park up there. Um, it's at 1024 6th Avenue between 38th and 39th Street up on the fifth floor, definitely, you know, again, near Bryant Park, not, uh, not a bad location at all. Uh, there's a comic book shop a couple blocks away. I used to stop by there and uh, take a gander at some of my favorite superheroes, you know, Batman, Deadpool, Superman. So, yeah, it's awesome stuff. Highly recommend. Self-defense is, uh, is really good, you know what I mean? Martial arts can be used uh, for good, all right? Uh, ask uh, Bruce Wayne and Keanu Reeves from The Matrix. All right, cool. Okay, so in the last episode, you guys, if you did listen to it, you are aware of the fact that I started talking about this girl who's been helping me with my comedy. And, um, you know, I, I was excited to kind of share some of those updates with y'all, with y'all. And uh, I was excited to, to share, you know, I was excited for her to listen to the episode. In fact, uh, you know, I recorded, I dropped the episode, I texted her, and I was like, hey, feel free to check it out. I talked about you um, if you, if you want to listen in. So she listened in, and guys, um, I, I told you how, you know, she likes to give me feedback on my stuff. Well, she gave me quite the earful uh, of feedback. <laughs> <clears throat> after I dropped that episode, I was distracted. I had two shows that night, and I started, you know, she was very upset. She was livid toward me, actually. Um, and I I felt bad, because, you know, I, I care about this person, you know. She's a, a human being that I that I do care about. We've we've become friends, you know, we're, we're cool, and I had no intention of upsetting her, right? So when, when she told me she was upset and that she, like, was second guessing helping me all together, you know, after, after that whole debacle, I was like, oh my goodness, that is like the exact opposite of my intention, I, I thought you would love, you know, you, she's come to me, you know, she's come with me to shows before, uh, and she's never been embarrassed, you know, I mean, I, I got up on stage once, and I, you know, I basically, it was the first time she came to watch me perform, and I, I got up on stage, and I, I, I sucked, you know, and I, I basically said, I apologized to the audience for, for sucking so bad, and I blamed her. I said, she gives really good head. I have no energy right now, right? 
and she didn't care. So I didn't, I, I, you know, we've talked a lot. She's never seemed to care. So for whatever reason, this last episode did strike a nerve with her. She explained why, and, you know, I clarified that I, I didn't mean that I was, um, I think she was upset that, that she didn't, that I made her look like she was some, like, desperate, like, person, which she's not. I mean, she's doing, she's helping me out of the kindness of her heart because she wants to, not because she's, like, like a puppy dog or something like that, you know? Um, however, uh, we've, we've continued to kind of develop our friendship. We got through that argument, um, and, you know, I did my, it was in between my two shows that night, so I was, I needed to, like, not let it derail me, because I cared, you know, I didn't want her to be upset. Um, and anyway, this last week for Fourth of July, she invited me, you know, she works, she works, uh, in the Hamptons right now. Uh, she's working in the Hamptons this summer. So I've never been to the Hamptons before. She invited me to come down to the Hamptons. And, you know, what a what a great time to check out the Hamptons, right? The 4th of July, blah, blah, blah. I've, I've heard great things, you know. It's always been kind of known as this uppity, rich, successful, you know, like, type thing. Like, I don't even know if the Kennedys had a house there at some point or, or what, but it's that type of vibe, right? Like, the Hamptons. So, um, it was fun. Uh, we went down there. We... we we went to the beach for a couple hours, had a couple, couple, you know, bottles of wine, got a little tipsy on the beach. Uh, and then uh, later that night, we went out, right? And and this is this is where it gets interesting, guys, because keep in mind, we're not in a relationship, but we do, we are friends first. You, I guess, you know, friends with benefits, I've talked about that in the past. Like, there's been a girl from my past that I, I wouldn't even... Like, I've had just benefits, I've had friends with benefits, I've had friends, I've had relationships, right? This girl I would consider, the closest thing that we are is we're friends first, and sometimes we have benefits, right? But we care about each other as people first, right? She knows I'm not looking for a relationship. She's known that from the very beginning. Um, and we have a very honest and open line of communication. I, I just don't basically flaunted in front of her if I'm fooling around with other girls or and she does the same out of respect for me because you know there is a, it's like the Jerry and Elaine complex that we have toward each other right like I guess that's the best analogy is the Jerry Seinfeld and Elaine complex where it's like um you know just don't don't floss don't flaunt it in front of me I don't want to see you making out with some other dude right in front of my face you know what I mean and that's <laughs> that's kind of what happened. So we go down to uh, the Hamptons. We're we're out. We're having a good time. She's dressed up. She looked nice, you know. She put on a a dress. I went out in some American flag shorts and a button up shirt, like a freaking buffoon, and some flip flops, which is really not Hamptons type, you know, dress, but whatever. So we go out. We're we're kind of just getting tipsy. We're having fun. We're laughing. We there's a dance floor, you know. Everything was closed. I guess for the 4th of July, so there was one place open in, in the main part of town, and that's where we were, right? It was kind of an uppity place. There's a lot of girls. As soon as I walked in with this girl, there was like this table of like 14 very pretty girls. Um, and I very, like, I saw a ton of cute girls just at that table. It was just all girls, right? We're talking like a, an insane ratio at this place right off the bat. And I don't know what it is about chicks, but for some reason, chicks attract, attract chicks. So when I go in there with this girl who's dressed up, they're all staring at me. Like, it wasn't even, they weren't even trying to hide it. They were, like, giving her up and downs, like, assessing her, looking at me, like, smiling at me. I'm like, geez, this is, 
if you want to attract a girl, guys, just have girls around to chum the waters. You know, if you want to attract the sharks, chum the waters with some some fish. Not to call my friend a fish, because I, I wasn't even doing this intentionally, but the waters were being chummed unintentionally, if that even makes sense. Uh, and anyway, we, we went out, you know... I feel like the girl, some girls from that table kept walking by us to kind of like get a second look and like a second appraisal, if you will. Um, nevertheless, so we're having drinks, we're having a good time. Uh, we start to get a little tipsy, we start dancing, we're having a good time. There's some other dudes kind of starting to get attracted to this girl, so some dudes are kind of, you know, kind of floating around the nucleus, I guess you could call it. You know, they, you start to get a couple of electrons wanting to float around the nucleus. Right, so that she's the nucleus. A couple of electrons are starting to float around her a little bit. You know, I, I sense dudes coming up and just kind of, you know, spitting two or three words, you know, into her ears as I'm sitting there. You know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like, uh, you know, the, the the charge is 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 building, right? Um, and you know, whom I, it's not, I'm not gonna be that guy. First of all, she's not my girlfriend, so I'm not gonna be like the, the dude that's like interceding, like, hey, bro, this is my chick. Even if she was, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to do it, right? You always wanna be respectful and, and you know, be in control of yourself. And, and also, if you've got a strong enough relationship, those things shouldn't intimidate you or make you have to feel like you gotta be on guard. There's, there's a balance to it, you gotta be on guard, I guess to a certain extent without being, um, there's a balance to it, I'd say. You don't want to be completely off guard and you don't want to be completely like swords drawn. I think you, you should walk around with the sword in the sheath. Let's put it that way. Just make your, make sure you have a sword on you. Just have it in the sheath and maybe your hand on the sheath when dudes approach. <laughs> That's the best metaphor I can make, right? It's not, your sword isn't drawn, but you're also not unweaponed you know you're not an unmanned weapon or whatever so you know i i guess whatever you know i, I see dudes flocking or whatever uh, we're dancing you know girls are looking at me she's like asking me why i'm looking around you know we're starting to get a little bit of feelings toward each other so there's like jealousy even though there shouldn't be and even though we've like tried so hard not to have jealousy but like if a girl walks by and like we make eye contact or whatever, she's like, are you even listening to me? <laughs> she's like, why don't you go talk to those girls? I'm like, you know, you know, come on, you know, give me a break here. It's, come on, you know? So anyway, we get to the point where she, we've been drinking or whatever, and then she just disappears on me, guys. All right. And I, uh, I didn't, I didn't think too much of it. I, I thought it was a little odd, but she just disappeared, like went outside or something. And I didn't go chase her because one, I'm, that's kind of weak. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's kind of weak, but it's also like, dude, I'm, I'm cool. You know what I'm, I'm chill, bro. You know, I'm, I'm gonna be aight either way. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna have my, I'm gonna, tri I'm gonna have some sips of this drink and, and just kind of do my thing. And this other girl that was eyeing me on the dance floor. So when I was dancing with, with my with my friend on the dance floor, this other really cute girl came up to the dance floor. We, we actually started the party. So, like, we were the first ones to get on on the dance floor, and we, we were high-fiving that, like, we kind of, like, influenced the rest of the place to start getting loose, you know what I mean? Uh, so I can, I, can, I can brag and say that we, parted, we started the party. Anyway, I noticed when we were out there, there was this really cute girl on the dance floor flocking around me. She was with her friend, 
And I feel like the only reason she was doing that is because I was with a cute girl. You know what I mean? It's not, I don't even take that personal at this point, right? It's just like, this chick wants to see her, like, she wants to see if she can get my attention, right? And it's like the type of thing where you, where the girl flocks, but as soon as you give her the full attention, she disappears, right? She just wants to know if she can, if she thinks that her stock is higher than the chick you're with. It's very selfish, you know, chicks be selfish, yo. Dudes be selfish too. I'm not, you know, singling it out. Like, but, but I notice that girls come out of the woodwork when you got a chick with you. When you got a girlfriend too, girls come out of the woodwork. It's like a game of whack-a-mole. And if you try to be a good guy and like, you think that you got a, like a, a potential option and you like break up with your girlfriend to go chase this thing, it's like a game of whack-a-mole. She disappears as soon as you are single again, right? It, it, what I'm trying to say is it's not personal. It's it's literally this market value bullshit. It's the game. There's a game that exists, ladies and gentlemen. And and if you understand the laws of supply and demand and leverage and chumming waters, I don't think chumming waters is an economics term, but you get what I'm saying. Then you you kind of know how it all how it all goes together, right? So this chick comes out of the woodwork onto the dance floor. Anyway, when my when my friend disappears, this you know this other girl who I, I found very pretty you know the one I was talking about on the dance floor she had white pants on blah 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 she sits down we start talking right I, you know I we're having a, a fun interaction she, you know I find out she's from Miami you know how how much I love Miami chicks I wasn't surprised she was uh, you know just visiting Hamptons for the fourth uh, she she was she was uh, you know she was a uh, quite the marlin, if I will, you know, she was like a, you know, a 14 foot marlin, right, is a good an analogy that I can create, but also, I think that the chick I hang out with is, is definitely a, a gigantic marlin as well, so I'm not, you know, nevertheless, though, I love marlins, is what I'm trying to say, you know, um, and, uh, you know, we do, you know, we exchange numbers, or whatever, we talk, and then, uh, fast forward to, I still didn't see where my, where my friend was right i should give her like a, a pseudo name just keep her private for whatever let me call her um um <laughs> i don't know why mother Teresa came into my head uh as her nickname but i i don't think that's the appropriate uh nickname here let's do uh um uh shakespeare uh Let's just, whatever we don't need to give her a nickname. I can't think of one right now. Um, I, I go out there and, and and I see her at some point. I think she was coming back from across the street. I don't I don't even know what she was doing exactly, but I saw her and then we got together again. Didn't think much of it, but basically when she left, it opened up the door for this other girl and I to talk. And then when our interaction was done, I did go outside because I missed two calls from her from from my friend here, right? I missed two calls. I got two voicemails. I didn't listen to them, but I just went to... I knew she... I, I felt like she was looking for me, so I went out there, and not long after I went out there, I, she appeared, right? So we're sitting down. We're having a good time, whatever. You know, uh, interacting. We, you know, we had talked to a couple randos throughout the, the night there at the bar. I met some dude that says he's a filmmaker. His hair is something I'll never forget. I couldn't tell if he was wearing a toupee at first. He was like one of those older guys that you can tell fake bakes. You know, he's probably like in his late 40s. He fake bakes, um, and he's like kind of 
peacocking. You know, you can tell the dude's single still. Uh, and, you know, there was this pretty girl sitting next to him, very attractive. And me and my friend, when we saw him earlier in the night, this is all earlier, when we saw him, you know, he, uh, we went up and started talking to him and we wanted to create kind of the opportunity for them to talk because I felt like he was peacocking, but not like he didn't have the, the confidence in that moment to like just say what's up to that chick. Nevertheless, so I, I tried to create that interaction for him, right? Just whatever, because, you know, I'm being a bro. And uh, the chick was very cold, right? She had come out by herself. She was eating dinner, and she was not interested in engaging in conversation with anybody. So, you know, he appreciated the effort, right? And he, he had kind of picked up the same vibe from her before that as well. So nevertheless, him and I kind of made friends. So when I went back outside later in the night, reconvened with my friend, this dude was around, we're hanging out, and dudes are coming over to my to my female friend here, and they're, like, talking to her. One guy comes up to her, and she's like, you could tell she wasn't interested in him, and uh, she sat down on my lap, right, to kind of show him, hey, like, leave me alone type thing. So she, like, sat down on my lap, and, and the dude, like, I guess they'd have some type of interaction, or he had some type of expectation from her, I don't know exactly what it was, but he's like, really? Really? You're, you're going to do this? Like, like you, you seriously, you're, you're going to do this right now? Like, you're, you're not going to give me your number? Like, I don't I don't know exactly what it was. I was like, hey, man, you know, like, for whatever reason, she doesn't seem down at the moment. I mean, she's sitting on my lap here for a reason, I think, you know? And the dude called me a faggot, right? Like, So I, I kind of set my my lady to the side, you know, I was like, let me just kind of hoist you off the, the horse, um, saddle here for a quick sec, you know, and, and just kind of stand up and, you know, I just kind of stood up and kind of flexed my shoulders. And I said, I, I beg your pardon. You know, I, w what was that? I just wanted to make sure I heard you correctly, you know? And, and he, um, he said, uh, sorry about that. You know, <laughs> you know, he just, uh, sorry about that. You know? And kind of like looked away. So, you know, that was it. You know, he, he got lost after that. I said, oh, apology accepted, man. No worries, you know. And he uh, he drifted away into the abyss. So um, so that was a, kind of an interesting thing. But not long after that, another dude was sitting down with us. Seemed like a cool guy, along with the toupee guy, right? So it's like the four of us, me, my friend, and these two dudes are sitting down. And the, the guy who didn't look like he had a toupee, he was a younger guy, and he was like, hey, can I get, you know, can I get your number to, to my lady friend, right? And she starts giving him her number, and I'm not going to lie, guys, I, I didn't like that because it was right in front of my face, right? Like, she has that opportunity based on the relationship that, that I have with her, but, like, when it's that blatant right in front of my face, you know, I didn't, I didn't have the right to, like, intercede with that, but I just got up and I told her as she's giving him her number... I said, I'm headed out, have fun, right? That's, you know, that's my right too. And, you know, both the guy and her were like, uh, whoa, 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 hang on a second. I, I thought you guys aren't in a relationship. Like, the guy was cool. This dude was cool. I remember his name was Joe, actually, so he must be a good guy, right? And he said, hey, man, you know, I didn't mean any disrespect there. I thought you said you guys weren't together. I said, we're not, man. You have the right to ask her for her number. I'm just... You know, it's one of those deals where it just, I just don't want to see it right in front of my face from her, from her perspective. And she has the right to give it to you, but I'm just a little upset that she would actually do that right in front of me, right? Um, 
and I said, you know what, I'm going to head out, guys, no worries. And they're like, no, no, I look, don't, you know, we're good here. No number exchange taking place. She was sorry. She was apologizing. You know, I guess she didn't know that I actually cared, right, enough to, to intercede. Um, the dude was like, I get it. You guys are like Jerry and Elaine. So maybe that's where the, where the, the Jerry and Elaine uh, thing came from. And, uh, you know, we, I kind of let her know that, you know, I, I just felt, you know, I, I was like, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of a little too in my face, you know, um, but you, you can go back if you want. Like, I'll just go back to the hotel and take a nap, right, for the next eight hours. And, you know, she's like, no, that's ridiculous. So she came with me, and we go home. Um, you know, we get naked and pass out without inter any intercourse because we were drunk. Um, but I, I asked her before we went to bed, I said, why did you disappear on me? And she said, because I like you. And then we passed out. <laughs> right? So fast forward to the next morning, guys. This is, this is going to get interesting. Please bear with me. Uh, I think it'll be worth it for you. Uh, and forgive me in advance. If you don't like gross stories, I do. Have, there's a gross part of this. So please, if, if you don't want to hear anything about like fecal matter or whatever, uh, just turn off the podcast now. If you do and you're intrigued, uh, continue listening because it's going to get pretty juicy. So I wake up the next morning and I have to drop the biggest deuce I've ever felt in my life. I, I remember the night before I kind of had to drop a deuce, but I didn't do it because I didn't want to do it while we were out. But here's the thing, I realized I had dehydrated myself throughout the day. You know, we went to the beach. I, I don't remember drinking water from the time I arrived in, essentially, in the Hamptons until this morning when I went into the bathroom to take my dump. Um, and I'm sitting there, and, you know, and again, I don't want to, like, take a dump in front of this girl or even let her know I'm pooping, right? Like, I, I actually told her I needed to go in there to write some emails, right? And I even turned on, they had a fan on a timer. It's one of those twist dials. You can like, it says turn past this point, right? So you, I turned it past like five minutes or whatever each time, thinking that I wouldn't, it wouldn't take long, right? And it was taking me a long time to have to go because I realized I was dehydrated because I hadn't drank water for like 24 hours because I was too, you know, busy drinking and not thinking about hydration, right? So not only did I hold in a, a defecation from the day before because I didn't want to do it out, uh, but now I held it in and I was dehydrated. So let's let's I know this is kind of disgusting, but let's talk about how the density of my fecal matter and the amount of water it had and it started to get firm. And let's if you compared it to like a basketball, the basketball was too big for the hoop type thing. I've had this happen to me a couple of times in life, and you know, it's, it's never fun, right? Every time I end up like having a coming to God experience, right? Like where I'm just like praying that I'm going to somehow get through this. Right. Uh, and I almost felt like, and I have a joke in my comedy. I, I did it in my special a few years ago where I talked about how, you know, I said, this too shall pass. And I said that, or at least that's what I when I, I said something like, when I go through a hard time in life, I tell myself, this too shall pass. You know, quoting, you know, basically like a, a biblical or, or spiritual uh, message. Uh, and then I say, at least that's what I tell myself when I'm taking a really painful dump, which is kind of, I don't mean to be degrading toward that phrase in any way, but I just don't want to like come off preachy, right? So I kind of say this too shall pass in a serious way because I do believe in that when, when hard times are there, but I also 
put it, I juxtaposed it with a poop joke just to kind of make it less like corny, you know, less preachy. I don't want to come off like the Joel Olstein. not to put him down aside from uh, the whole refugee uh, thing that everybody's mad at him about. Nevertheless, though, uh, this too shall pass, you know, when I felt this, when I felt this defecation that I couldn't have this morning, though, I started, you know, when I, that morning that I'm talking about here recently, on the fourth, the fifth of July, I, I started thinking about that again. I, I was having that come, come to God thing. I'm like, oh man, is, am I getting punished for making a joke about pooping and saying this too shall pass? You know, I'm like sitting there, like wanting. I there, I actually kind of wanted to cry. There was a little bit of a tear in my eye with how painful this fecal matter was. And I, I learned once. The last time I had called 911, and probably the only time for myself, I've called 911 a few times for other people, but I called 911 in college once because, you know, the basketball was too big for the hoop. And I, this is the last time I was this to this level of constipation where I thought, like, wow, I'm gonna tear, I'm gonna tear my asshole, like, I'm gonna, like, I'm about to give birth to a, a baby, you know, is what it felt like, um, and I was freaking out and. I called 911 in college and they started laughing. They're like, are you able to go to the, the store and get a suppository? I was like, no, I can't walk. And they're like, well, the only thing that you can do, we have two other options. And if you can't like get somebody to go get you a suppository or if you can't do it yourself, the two options are one, drink a lot of water right now and just wait. Uh, and hopefully that'll kind of loosen things up. Uh, or we can call, we can dispatch you know a paramedic to, to come help you out. Uh, but that's gonna cost money. And the reason I didn't dispatch the paramedic is because I was embarrassed. And they were laughing. They said, I understand. Whatever. It's fine. But I drank the water and it worked in college, right? I had to stick my finger up my fucking asshole uh, back then to, to try and, you know, break it up or whatever. Uh, and, you know, the other this other day here, I, I knew I didn't, like, need to do the finger thing. But I did drink a shit ton of water. And every time I drank a glass of water, my stomach hurt because there was like no room in my stomach for it. So it was like painful, like as you could feel shit like moving around. So anyway, I didn't want to tell this girl what was going on, but I kept on turning the fan dial back past five. So like every couple of minutes, I'm turning the fan on again. I'm in the bathroom for like two hours and I'm like yelling, I'm screaming in pain. And at one point I like opened the door, I was like, hey, you know, I gave up like all my, I basically looked like a freaking buffoon. I was like, hey, I know this sounds like really ridiculous, but can you go to the front desk and see if they have any suppositories for me, please? I, I'm having a really hard time shitting. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry that you're having a hard time. She's like, what's a suppository? I was like, oh my gosh, you don't know what a suppository is? It's like this little gel bullet thing that you stick up your ass to, to help you shit when you're constipated. Um... And she's like, oh, wow, that's a thing. Okay, anyway, yeah, I'll go. I don't think they'll have it, but we were getting Uber, so we didn't, like, have a car. She couldn't just, like, go to the store. And, you know, time is kind of of the essence here. I kept drinking the water. Eventually, I finally shit, and I literally, it's the biggest dump I've ever taken in my life, guys. I know this is disgusting, but it was like an eight-pound, six-ounce baby. You know, I think this shit weighed as much as I did when I came out of my mom's womb. Eight pounds, six ounces. And, uh... You know, thanks. thankfully I knew the trick to just drink water and be patient for 10 to 15 minutes. Or in this case, it took like 30 to 45 minutes. And it was just, I mean, I've, 
I felt like I, I shit so much that the toilet was going to have the same problem I did, which is it wasn't going to be able to flush. Um, but they had some pretty powerful uh, toilets there. So, you know, the toilet uh, was doing much better than I was that, that, that day. And, man, I'll tell you, it was such a relief to just get that done. I needed to, like, take a nap on the toilet. Like, my butt was falling asleep. I was, like, sweating during this process. We're talking, like, in intense... I'm yelling, you know, I'm screaming in pain, in pain, uh, praying, you know what I mean? Like asking for forgiveness for making shit jokes in the past. I didn't mean any disrespect. And I, I thought, is this, is it okay for me to make a joke if I get out of this alive in the future? You know, like I realized, you know, it is as long as I just don't show a lack of respect, which I don't. I mean, being able to take a healthy dump is really, it really is a true blessing. And when these types of things happen, you realize kind of how lucky we are just to have our normal bodily functions. Our health is more valuable than anything that money can ever buy. You know, health and time, quality of life, it's more valuable than anything any amount of money can ever buy. You know, and then, you know, obviously your friends and relationships, that's also something that money cannot buy. Um, but I was so relieved. And I wanted to just like go in there and, you know, just like relax and like tell her like, wow, that was embarrassing, but like I'm alive and all is good. But while I was sitting there, I was kind of like catching my breath and just taking a break for a second. And I had my phone with me and I saw that she had left me two voicemails the night before, right? So this is where we get another story twist, guys. Um, I... I decided to listen to the voicemails for whatever reason before deleting them, even though in my own head I thought, I don't need these, right? Like, I don't need these voicemails, but because um, I know that, like, she was probably calling me to find me. Um, I can just delete them because we're, we're back together now. Uh, well, this is where, the, the, the like I said, the, the plot twists. I listened to the voicemail. It was a butt dial. There's two of them. They're, like, two and a half minutes long, Right? And I knew that this was during that time where she was away. So in a way, not to be nosy, but I had the opportunity to kind of listen in and see what kind of what she was actually doing during this time. And I hear some dude's voice, right, which didn't surprise me greatly, but it made me a little uncomfortable, right? So I hear this dude's voice, and then I hear what sounds like smacking or like a constant like like that type of noise right and I'm like starting to get my heart's starting to like increase a little bit in, in the number of beats per, per second um it, it was hard to tell it wasn't like that distinct but there was something bumping right and I would hear I heard weird like words like uh you're not trying hard enough from her, right? And he's like, I'm trying. Oh, like, I was like, okay, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know, like, uh, there was, there was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm experiencing, I just, I just experienced like the, the release of like the most painful shit of my life. And now all of a sudden, like there's a new immediate problem right in front of my face. Right. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Like, what the fuck was she doing with this guy? right? It's, it's apparent that they're there one-on-one, -on -one. and then he's, like, begging her for something. I didn't know exactly what it was, but she was like, no, 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 I gotta go. You know, you could tell she was drunk or whatever, but there was 
clear interactions. I couldn't really make out full sentences of what they were doing. Nevertheless, so, you know, I walk, I walk out of the, the restroom. She's like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, oh, uh, you just took a, like a shit. Like, I'm so glad that you're healthy. And I was like, yeah, thank goodness. That was like the most painful dump of my night. Uh, of my life, uh, I just shit like a human baby. But out of curiosity, what were you doing last night when you left? <laughs> like, when you left for a while, and she was like completely thrown off and taken aback by that. And she's like, "What? Why?" <laughs> and I was like, "I'm just curious, you know." She's like, "I I met a guy, and I, I was hanging out with this guy for a little bit." And I was like, "Oh, really? Well, yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. What'd you guys do?" And she's like. What are you talking about? Why? I was like, well, I, I'm just curious. I think it's fun, you know? It's like, uh, we we hung out for, for a bit. I was like, did you guys fool around? Did, you know, like, what what was that like? She's like, well, I made out with this guy. You know, we made out for a while. I was like, is that all you did? She's like, yeah. Um, we made out. I was like, where? She, you know, she's like, in an, in an alley, right? So... I didn't fully buy it yet, but the, the, the evidence that I had wasn't enough for me to fully kind of vet through at this time so I was like oh okay um well I just got two butt dial voicemails with from you that were both two and a half minutes long each and um I couldn't really tell what was going on but it sounded like more than making out it sounded like two people were having sex and there was like bumping going on and you know at one point I couldn't really tell if these were the clear words or not, but it sounded like, you know, the dude moaned and then you said, you're not trying hard enough to him. And he said, he is. And then you said something like, I'm not a Jimmy hole. Right. And I was, that's what it kind of sounded like to me initially. Right. And we're, I'm like, honestly, like I'm, I, I, I was very, I was actually upset guys. I was, I was, I was upset. You know, I had like come down to visit this chick from freaking, you know, New York for, for the Hamptons and she disappears on me. And what I thought at the time was that she potentially went and had sex with some dude she met, like within five minutes of her just disappearing from our, our interaction. And she's like, no, you know, I, I, I can tell when someone's lying to my face and I could tell that she wasn't. So either she couldn't remember or she actually didn't have sex with the guy, you know? But we, we had been drinking a lot, and sometimes people can't really remember things from the night before fully. Um, but she looked at me right in the face, you know, and I could tell that, she, you know, she, the quivering part was over. The quivering transpired on her behalf when I started saying, what did you do last night, right? Like, she was like, you know, when I put her on the spot, she did open up and tell me the truth and say, yeah, I was making out with this dude. Um, but she completely, not only denied having sex with him, but she said it very matter-of-factly as if, like, she, you know, I, I could tell she, she wasn't lying or, like, intending to lie. Uh, some, like I said, sometimes people forget shit that happened when they were drunk, but, um, I was, I was pretty upset. You know, and again, she has the right to do these things, and it's, like, that girl that I met from Miami, like, if she wanted to make out and, like, go behind an alley, like, we're all human, you know what I'm saying? Like, I probably would have wanted to do the same. You know, this girl was beautiful, the chick that sat down while she disappeared, right? But um, nevertheless, just, just feeling that, like, 
it took me back a notch, right? I, I realized that I guess I do have some kind of a, a feeling or feelings toward this chick, whether I like it or not. And um, I was really upset. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna grab an Uber to the bus station. I'm heading back to New York now. You know, this is so ridiculous <laughs> that you would like, like what, what the hell, like why? You know what I'm saying? So. Um, I feel like a freaking buffoon, right? Is how I felt in the moment. Nevertheless, though, I listened back to those tapes later. She felt horrible. She apologized to me. She reassured me that all they did was make out. Um, and then um, I, I, I still didn't feel like I fully believed her. And I sent her the voicemail, the two voicemails, and we talked through like second by second, like what what each thing meant or like what they were actually saying and putting it back together and at the end of the day her story did check out and I do believe her um she has the right to go do that frankly if she had sex with a guy within five minutes of meeting him after me coming down to like visit her for the fourth of July I would say that's even though we're not in a relationship that's just outrageous you know what I mean like that's <laughs> that's the most ridiculous thing ever maybe hot from from like an external perspective like outside of myself I might think that's hot but like as, as me if I were the victim in that case I would say that's not that's just not something where I want to be on the receiving end of the the shit part of that um and uh I do believe that you know we talked through it right we talked through it and she explained what he was trying to get her to do uh you know he's basically trying to like bring her back to his place and she kept saying no I'm you know I'm, I'm not gonna go back with you and he was like trying to like seduce her and all this stuff you know um and you know I, I I get that you know guys are fucking animals I'm I'm one I know exactly how we think and I also know that she's a human too an animal right we're all horny creatures and at the end of the day you know she I think that the reason she did it is because she likes me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be in a relationship with her, and I've expressed that. Or, you know, like, I've expressed it from the beginning that I'm not looking for a relationship, and she knows that. And I think that as we're kind of sitting there and she's seeing all these chicks, like, check me out, she's, like, kind of, like, acting out, right? It's kind of like, geez, I can't, like, be with this guy, and I'm going to, I'm going to, like, like, appease, like, this this naked like I'm I'm upset about it and I need to like go like like get over this dude or like deal with not being you know able to be with him I I can't speak for her but that's only the the rational like mindset behind where I'm coming at with this you know and nevertheless we did talk through it she she really felt bad she uh, like reassured me a thousand times that they just made out again I I heard story checks out um, and I listened back to the voicemails and, and everything that she said does make sense. And she really wants to kind of like move forward. And after having a, a night to t sleep on it and the fact that we're not in a relationship, I'm cool with it at this point. You know, I'm, I forgave her. Uh, we're all systems forward, you know. She's like, are we good? We talked on the phone today, actually. And um, I told her I was going to do a podcast about it. And I didn't want, I was like, don't get mad. She's like, I'm not listening to it. <laughs> so she's cool. She doesn't give a shit. If She's like, say whatever the hell you want to say. Um, and, you know, I, I feel a lot better now um, after having talked to her. And I, I kind of joked with her saying that 
you know, the sail, you know, the sails are up and, and there's wind on our sails, so we're, we're moving forward, you know. She's living in the Hamptons and we're not in a relationship, but we, we care about each other as people. We're on good terms. Our friendship is intact and, you know, things are fine. So I, I'm cool with it. Um, glad she had a little bit of fun, you know what I mean? We're loose, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> What's up? You guys going out tonight or what? Like maybe, you know, like that one dude that was, um, whatever, uh, stupid stuff. But anyway, that's my story. I think that that's a fun update for all of you. Um, that's my, that's my story of the Hamptons. Uh, it was all in all, it was, it was, a, it was an interesting place. I would go back. I hear Montauk is really kind of the, the fun place. So maybe Montauk next time, uh, and then that, that chick from Miami that I met, I, I texted her and she dropped off. As soon as I gave her my Instagram name, she stopped responding to my texts. So something about my Instagram account wasn't good enough for her. Uh, it, you guys should decide that for yourselves, though. My Instagram account is at the droid, T-H-E-D-R-O-Y-D. Uh, I'm not changing anything just because it wasn't good enough for the Miami chick. That's who I am, guys. It's my comedy page. Feel free to give it a like. Um, thanks for tuning in today. I love you, motherfuckers. Um, thanks for all your support. Feel free to reach out. Laugh at MichaelOldroid.com or hit me up with a DM on Instagram. And if you have questions that you want to hear about or other stories or anything else at all uh, regarding the podcast or whatever, give me a, give me a shout, all right? Have a good couple of days until I record my next podcast. Uh, until then... Uh, God bless, and uh, you know, drink Metamucil, stay regular, drink water, and thank God for healthy, healthy dumps. I don't mean that in any watered-down sense at all. It really is. Be thankful for the small things in life, all right? Have a good one. Later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. By the way, am I the only one who's horny?